So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure your photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast where we teach you how to grow your photography business if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog posts check out sixfigurephotography.com now here's your host ben hartley Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of the Six Figure Photography Podcast. You guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for showing up and being here. My name is Ben Hartley with, of course, Six Figure Photography and as well, style and story. Look, if you're an avid listener, can I, I'm sure you've already done this. You've already subscribed to the podcast. If this is your first time listening, can I just let you know it's good? It's like really good. And so if you could go ahead and hit that subscribe button on your podcast app on iTunes. You guys, the entire purpose of this podcast is to help you grow your business. We do this by interviewing amazing photographers. Sometimes it's just me riffing off the cuff one-on-one with you guys. Uh, but today's episode, we have Dory Howell of the IPS Mastermind, in-person sales mastermind. And we are going to be diving into some actually really exciting stuff. We're going to be talking about print. We're going to be talking about sales. We're going to be talking about overcoming fear, providing value, serving your leads, serving your clients. We touch on some uh, some psychology stuff. You guys, this is a meaty episode and I will do uh, say no more. We're going to jump right in and talk to Dory Howell. Dory, welcome to the SFP podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I'm in Ohio. Where are you out of? I'm actually in the Washington metropolitan area, Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. Fantastic. How's the market there for photography? Oh, you know what? I think it's really just like everybody else's. It's crowded. It's busy. Um, you know, everybody likes to use the term oversaturated. And I think that that is just how it is. So yeah, just like everything else, it's good. Business is good, but you know, the, the, the fight is real. Sure. The struggle is real. I think, I think you're absolutely right. I I think to say oversaturated feels a little, uh, like a hyperbole and not necessarily one. And so maybe we, we should just say it's, it's just it's normal. It's saturated. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but you know what? So is every other industry. PS, right. by the way, uh, it's not just us. Everyone out there uh, is is learning at an unprecedented age, and and the barrier to entry and everything is low. And uh, anyhow, look, we're about to go off on on a massive. <laughs> <laughs> I could just go on a rant for a while, but right, I don't want right. to talk. I want to hear from you because um, we're going to be talking IPS now. Normally, I'm actually going to uh, intentionally. Uh, 
dive right in on this because normally, you know, we'd be slowing down and we'd go into all of the backstory of everything. I want to get a little context, Mm -hmm. but this is such a huge topic in the photography world that I'm sure the listeners just want to go right into talking about personal sales, psychology, overcoming fear, making money, serving clients, providing value, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's like meaty. It's a lot. It is. It's a ton. Yes. So let's just, let's go with a nice, um, a a couple like quick flash fire questions for you. For starters, what do you photograph? Weddings, babies, newborns, boudoir, sports? I'm I'm with the babies. You're with the babes? I love the babes. Yep. Very good. Okay. So when you say babies, are you just in like, uh, you know, first year, are you a newborn? Are you going up to a certain age? I primarily do under one year and under, um, and then maternity. And then I do have some very faithful family clients that come back year after year. Love it. That's awesome. And so overall, we'll put this on the umbrella of portraiture, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got some, some wonderful portraiture work for you at what point. Um, well, let me say this. How long have you been photographing? Almost 10 years, 10 years. So out of that 10 year period of time, how much of it has been spent in the world of IPS? Well, you know, I started out um, pretty much IPS right away because I didn't quite understand the idea of being a photographer and not providing my clients with a printed picture. Um, And it wasn't necessarily IPS because I just did it all through like online sales. People could just click and click and get stuff sent to them from the lab. And it wasn't until I heard of this IPS thing on um before even Facebook, because I'm old, I've been in this a long time. Um, before Facebook and MySpace and that kind of thing, I was on a forum and they said, Yeah, if you show your your clients pictures in person, you'll actually make more money. And I'm like, What? That just really piqued my interest because as much as I love doing what I love, as much as I love doing this, um, I also need to help support my family. Sure. And so that was really what kind of piqued my interest in this whole process. Nice. We should even probably pump the brakes here for a second because, uh, and I, you know, we're, I'm assuming a lot right now out of everyone who's listening and I shouldn't do that. We, you know, IPS, I see this all the time online. Like what is IPS? I see people talking about like in their statuses, you know, like, Hey, moving IPS. And then someone cops on there like, what's IPS? Let's (laughs) define it. What's Dory? What's IPS? IPS is an acronym for the words in-person sales. That's all it is. Um, and it's just, it's an easy way to say it. And so you kind of know when you're talking to other photographers and it's an industry term. It's not necessarily something that we, that I share with my clients. So, but when I'm talking, um, with people in the industry, we kind of, we know what we're talking about if we're talking about IPS. Yep. Absolutely. Illuminati style. Just like mm-hmm. it's all code. Right. <laughs> okay. So IPS. So um, give us like a, a, for the sake again of just um, understanding this fully, uh, what would an example briefly, an example IPS um, experience look like versus um, a non-IPS experience? Okay. All IPS is, is selling your artwork in person. So what I do, I meet with my clients. We have a session. We go through a consultation period. I produce some beautiful images for them. We come back, we meet, and then they choose what images they want to get. It doesn't mean you don't sell digital files like a lot of people think, but we do usually um, concentrate on product sales of getting people printed images in their hands. So that's really IPS in a nutshell. And then non-IPS is where you go and you um, 
go and you have a great session with your client, you produce beautiful images, but instead of meeting with them after the fact, you just um, put your images on a um, image sharing site where they can choose, download, and just do it all on their own. So IPS is just more of a a higher level of service is the way that I look at it between the two. So then, uh, you know, look, when I first started, this was 2012, I was working uh, full time as a graphic designer. And then I started shooting on the side. Um, You know, I started out non IPS. Look, there's a lot of uh, we could call that shoot and burn. I guess we'll just call it that. Right. Shoot and burn. SMB. Yeah. A little SB. Right. Um, So that's what I was up to, right? And that's what everyone I knew was up to as well. And I think too, if you're, uh, for most photographers who are starting out, that makes, uh, that, you know, that's kind of the starting point. Um, and so what do you, um, let's even just start with that. What define, like, why do you think that is that, um, we don't just jump right into this IPS thing? Well, I think some, I think Whenever people start photography businesses, I don't think they're truly realizing that they're actually starting a business. And a lot goes into starting a business, an actual, you know, exchange for services type of thing. And so shoot and burn is really easy because you have some, most of us, we take pictures of our kids, then people want to hire us to take pictures of their kids or whatever, or we go and we second shoot a wedding and then we get hired by someone that we know. And then all of a sudden we're kind of all the way in the trenches already before we even realize, oh, this could be a business. So instead of getting totally overwhelmed in the process, it's easy to do a shoot and burn model. And a lot of people, that's what they're used to. So, um, and there's a convenience to that, which I can totally understand. So that's kind of how things start. And then usually what the disconnect I see between the shoot and burn model and when you're just getting started in the business and an IPS model is many times you don't go through the process of other like brick and mortar businesses they go through the process of finding out what all their expenses are and what what they need to make every month to meet those expenses and take a salary. And many times that process is skipped when you're first starting out in photography from what I've seen in the industry. And then all of a sudden people are realizing I'm shooting all these people, I'm giving them all these beautiful digital files, but my pricing is off. And so then you have to go back to the beginning of setting up your pricing so that you can actually start to make some money in this and realize, okay, I'm spending all this time away from my family, but I only have $10 for it at the end of the month. I need to make some changes. And that's kind of where people start coming and realizing that IPS might be something that they want to look into. Sure. So they be so they can create a more profitable and a more sustainable business. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely makes sense. I think for a lot of photographers, like we accidentally became entrepreneurs. Like we, and, and right. maybe, you know, there's some right. people who'd probably argue against that even definition, um, but we accidentally became business owners at the very least, right? Mm-hmm. Suddenly we're just taking pictures, you know, of our cousins. And then one day we're like, right. oh my gosh, this is now I'm making money. I'm leaving my job. This is like, this is it. I'm in this world. Um, and so that transition can be, can be abrupt, you know, for, for many of us, mm-hmm. we're just artists, you know, or people with cameras right. and, um, right. and not trained in that. 
Um, what would be some advice then to begin to even switch your your mind frame? Uh, is that the right word? Your mind frame, <laughs> your mindset, there it to is. Switch your, your mindset, mindset over. You know, yeah. to actually be to be aware. I think change starts with awareness. Um, yeah, so what absolutely. are some, what are some, what's some advice, uh, to begin to make those shifts in your brain of, of kind of recalibrating, uh, and adjusting? Well, I think, I think the mind shift of, um, really realizing how valuable your time is away from your family and, and that investment, even if it's, even if you're in a situation where you're not taking time away from a fa- your family, you're investing a lot of time into someone else's, um, historic legacy that they're going to pass on from generation to generation. And that's very valuable. And so how much is that really worth for you to provide that for them? And um, that's a big mind shift. People don't necessarily look at their images as being something that's going to be valuable and passed down from generation to generation. And that's truly what it is. Um, so, so there's that mindset of your time is valuable also, getting out of the mindset of comparing yourself to everyone around you and how they're doing it and thinking, well, this is what everybody expects. Because in my experience, clients don't necessarily expect something until we tell them. They don't know all the stuff that we know. Um, so it's treating them right and realizing that your business can truly, cha- if you set it up right, truly change your lifestyle and, and your family's life. Um, it doesn't have to be spare change for groceries at the end of the week. It could, you know, truly be a life-changing experience if you do it right. Um, but it takes work and it's not something that comes easily. Yeah. I mean, I think those two things that you just defined are really challenging for a lot of photographers, entrepreneurs, uh, the two things being understanding the value that, uh, you have, uh, and you, you deserve the value of your time, the value, uh, uh, like, I mean, honestly, maybe it's just that alone. It's like the value of your time, uh, and the value of what you actually produce for your clients. And then the, I guess maybe that is the second thing is like, what are you actually delivering? What's the value that you deliver? Are you, are you just delivering pictures? And is it kind of, is that the end of the rope? Is it that they're beautiful to look at? Um, I think that maybe that's the initial thought process is that it's all aesthetic. My photographs are pretty to look at. And so thus someone might want them on their phone or the computer, or, or maybe right, they'll right. find them pretty enough to, to to print. Um, but mm-hmm. to push that further and understand the, the magnitude of what a physical image can do, uh, and how it gains value over time to, to really, uh, I think it's one of those things that actually you don't quite understand until you've experienced it in your own life, Dory. I think exactly. It's really hard exactly. To, to understand that concept until um, like three things. I mean, I'm going to just make this up off the top of my head here. <laughs> I think three things happen. And I'm sure there's a lot more that can happen, but I think three distinct things can happen that kind of like introduce you to the power of print. And one of those things mm-hmm. is you actually start, you have to start printing things in your own world, uh, making prints because serendipitous moments occur, right? Mm-hmm. That you would have never experienced, right. never expected. Uh, and when it happens, like it's like magic, right? I have so mm-hmm. many of these stories in my, in my own life where uh, my daughter, her name is B. She's named after my grandma who's passed away. My grandma's name was right. B and my grandma was this beautiful, wild, reckless, even into her old age, just like <laughs> amazing woman who had such a, like a dear, sweet, um, and spunky spirit. 
And I mm-hmm. and I named my daughter after for those all those character traits for all those reasons. Right. And so, but she she died before my daughter was born. And so, anyhow, one day my my daughter comes up from this from the basement carrying this little four by six, and it's a picture of me standing with my grandma, and she's got this like mm-hmm. bright lime green coat on, and just like this really this is really fun smile, and I'm just sitting on her lap, and and she she comes up and she's like, who dat? Right. Who that? And it was this moment that I got to like, oh, my gosh, I've never I've never told you about your grandma. I mean, you're only three. Of course, you know what I mean? I've never told you about who you're after. But I got a chance to introduce B to to my grandma, to the person that she's named. after. There was this moment of just like, whoa, like that. It's not going to happen on a digital file. Right. It's not going to happen on a digital file. And the fact of the matter is the digital files are not going to be around forever. Even our current file formats are not going to be around forever. Um, It's so funny that you mentioned your daughter B because I'm actually named after my grandmother and, um, she was spunky and sassy and sometimes mean and cantankerous, <laughs> but also, you know, she, so unfortunately I do probably have some of those tendencies, but she also was very caring and she was my grandmother and that type of thing. And she lived to be about, a, to be 105 years oh, old wow. and she um, passed away two years ago, but she actually has, was in a situation, you know, back you know, back in the day where we have images of her growing up and her wedding portraits and all those types of things. And we can go back and look on those at those pictures. And I can show my daughter those pictures because that's part of her family heritage. And those pictures are are priceless to us now. Um, and if, yeah, we've had them scanned in and everything, but there's nothing like looking at the actual printed picture yep. and holding that in my hand. It just doesn't, the looking at it on my iPad is, there's no emotional attachment there. But when I actually hold that picture, it becomes priceless. Yeah. And I want to talk about that. We'll talk about kind of the physical aspects, the literal neurological, biological response to holding a print versus viewing one. Um, and I want, I want to unpack that here in a minute. Um, the last, I, you know, I was talking about three things, I think producing print in your life. And then we've already kind of addressed it. It's like the, you're a newborn photographer. I think the creation of life and then, um, the passing on of life is when you start to understand the value of print. Um, because once, once that person's gone, what do you have left? It's like, um, it, it, it's the one thing that gains value. It's, it's really powerful. And I don't think, um, especially as, uh, the generation of photographers is, is kind of becoming younger and younger. It, those are maybe certain things that, you know, you need a, not, you don't need one, but I think most people, um, start looking at putting artwork and making prints in their life once they have a home to decorate. And obviously as you become a little bit older, yeah. you experience, uh, creation of life and loss of life, you know, in a more, uh, you know, likely it becomes more, I think it just becomes more real. I know that this is something that as I've gotten older and people in my life have passed away that those pictures become more valuable to me. So I do think that this is something that, you know, maybe when I was 21, I couldn't have cared less. It's like, ugh, you know, whatever. But now that I'm at the age I am now, it's like, okay, wait a minute. The Eventually this is all I'm going to have left of my mom who, you know, is, has some health issues and, and that type of thing. Um, and I wanted, I want to be able to save those and not just for me, but also for my daughter and her children and on down the line. So the, the emotional, it's not so much about the monetary value of that print because it's not worth anything to sell, but the emotional, the emotional value of the images that we create for our clients, um, they may not be considered priceless at this point in time, but their value only increases with time. 
You guys, I got to interrupt for a hot second and give a awesome thank you shout out to one of the big supporters of the SFP podcast. I want to thank FreshBooks. You guys, I, I get the chance to talk to hundreds, if not thousands of photographers on the weekly. And one of the consistent things that I hear time and time again in regards to challenges in the business, points of pain within running your own business as a freelance photographer is accounting. It's, it just comes up every single time. What do I do with accounting? How do I manage this? Where do I outsource? Do I outsource? Like I'm supposed to be a creative. I don't do well with numbers. I don't track numbers well. Even getting paid, like how do I make sure uh, that I'm processing payments properly, tracking all that data properly? And one of the best pieces of advice that I have for you if you're running your business is make sure that you have a system in place uh, to help you uh, with your invoicing, a system in place to help you uh, track your your payments, a system in place uh, to help you track all of your accounting. And so with that being said, you guys, please do yourself the biggest favor that you can and go check out FreshBooks. And this is now a super no-brainer because there's a 30-day free trial that I'll tell you guys about here in just a minute. But FreshBooks has been completely redesigned, uh, just com- like completely from the ground up. It's an all cloud-based accounting software that's going to allow you to create professional invoices in like 30 seconds, set up online payments within just a couple of clicks that will allow you to get paid up to four times faster. And a really cool feature is you can actually view, track when your client has seen those invoices. And it really puts an end to that guessing game of when is the money going to show up for you guys. And so here's the deal. Like I said, FreshBooks, please go check it out. They are offering you guys a 30-day unrestricted free trial. It's the full package for 30 days to claim it. It's just for you guys, by the way. To claim it, you need to go to freshbooks.com backslash photography, and then you need to enter six-figure photography. That's S-I-X, six-figure photography in the how did you hear about a section, and they're going to hook you guys up. Please do yourself a favor and look into this. All right, let's jump back in. Um, let's, let's kind of talk about, you, you said something really powerful that I've, I've spent a little bit of time thinking about, um, you were talking about the experience of holding something versus, uh, like holding something real with weight and dimension versus viewing, viewing the images on a monitor, uh, and, and that kind of perceived value. Um, I'd, I'd love to kind of unpack this further, uh, and talk about, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on this before well, I um, I as I've gotten into this and I and I provide this service for my clients, it's really interesting to watch them. I see the value of, um, I get a, a nice big canvas of my daughter printed every year that hangs in the entryway of my home that I walk by every day that I smile at. It brings me personal joy. Um, and we just had some family pictures taken when we were on vacation. And I'm getting ready to put those up on my home. And those, every time I walk by them, I know it's going to remind me of um, a great family memory that we had. And I just think that that's, that's so important for me that when I'm having a bad day or something like that, I can look at those pictures and just be brought back to a time that was, that was great yeah. in my life. And I'm hoping that they do that for, for my husband and my daughter as well. My husband's not quite as emotionally attached, surprise, surprise, but you know... <laughs> And that's just the way that it goes. Um, but he, he totally respects the fact of why I have them hanging in our home and he likes them in our home. So when I, when my clients come in, one thing I do in my IPS sessions, when my clients come in and they are 
looking at their images for the first time. I show my images or their images on a big 70 inch TV and they see them big and large and everything. And they're looking at these images and they do the slideshow and mom cries and all that kind of stuff. And that's great. But what I also will do is I'll print out five or 10 of them for them to hold while we look at the slideshow. And the the ones that they hold are just a little added upsell that I inc- that I offer them. They're not expecting it when they come in for their appointment. They're not expecting to leave with anything um, because they know that they're going to see these images on the screen and then they'll get their products later. But I've surprised them and I've printed a few out and they're, I put them in mats. It's surprising how many people pick up those images. They look at them throughout the course of our appointment over and over and they never put them down. They they have developed immediately an emotional attachment to something that they can physically hold in their hand. And that, you know, obviously for me, that's a sales tactic that I use. And, but I want my clients to be emotionally attached to their images. I want them to see the value. And it's just been, I've just started implementing this in my IPS sessions just to kind of see how this would work. And it's been very, very powerful to see like they're, they're holding on to them for almost for dear life. Like this immediately has become something of great yeah, value. I to totally them. agree. And I've never, I've never had that reaction from anyone else when they've leaved my appointment and I haven't given them something to hold or when I just deliver their products to their home. I don't get to see that reaction. And it's an honor for me to be able to see that, to have a window yeah. into that. I think um, it's, it's, I'm going to do a really funny reference here. Uh, I hope that the listeners enjoy this. Um, so there's this amazing movie. It uh, came out. Oh, man. What, you guys, when did Jurassic Park come out? Was that like 95, 96? Jurassic Park, right? I don't know. What, it was around yeah. there. Um, yeah. And there's this scene Jurassic in Jurassic Park. Park, right? And it's right before the T-Rex bursts through the the wires. It's like, ting, 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 right? And he breaks through the wires. It's right before that. And it's um, it's the kids, Tim, he's in the car. And he's in the car with a lawyer, They're right? In the car, yeah. And like, you hear like the right? thud, the boom, boom, and you hear the, you see the water kind of ripple. Mm-hmm. And the kid, he's like trying to figure out what's going on. And so he digs underneath the car seat and he pulls out this pair of like um, night vision goggles and he's holding these night vision goggles and the lawyer looks at him. He's like, Hey, are those, are those heavy? Or he goes, put those down. And the kid's like, why? He's like, well, they're heavy. And Tim's like, yes, they're heavy. And he's like, that means they're expensive. Put them down. Right. And I think that's true. And something has weight when it actually has this this yeah. perception of of weight and i mean look the um there's even like when you go to buy even a pair of glasses they'll sometimes put like weighted things in the glasses to make them feel heavier to be more valuable right um right i'm not saying you should put magnets or something in your prints <laughs> no but it, you do, you do make a really really good point in the fact that when i was choosing an album vendor um, for my albums that I wanted to represent my brand and present to my clients for purchase, I immediately tossed out the ones yeah. that were too light. I wanted, when I handed my clients a sample album of, uh, that would represent what they would be getting from me, I wanted, like when I placed it in their hand, their hand to drop. Like I wanted that weight yeah. in their yeah, hand. I totally agree. It, it totally does. Difference. And then as what you're talking about too, as you're, as you're saying, as they're holding on to those prints and they don't want to look away from them, they keep glancing back at them. It's like dear life. I think that 
um, especially now in 2017, we've kind of been programmed. I mean, just think about the way that you interact with your phone and that you interact with your with your computer. There's this whole thing with SEO, search engine optimization, with websites, right? That's like the bounce rate. What is the right. bounce rate when someone goes to your site, they get bored and they leave? Or, or how long do they stay on a page? And even just imagine, just think about the way that you're on Instagram. You're literally, you see them. And look, Instagram is the most curated top 1% of all images ever. You're, oh, you're seeing yeah. the best the best and you can't look at a picture for more than two damn seconds. You're like, oh, that's neat. Next, next. And you just right. keep scrolling and you keep scrolling. Yeah. I think we're programmed to see something digitally, mm-hmm. to, to perceive it as such and just be like, yeah, that's whatever. That's every day. But when it's physical, when it's real, when all five of your senses are like engaged, like your your sense of touch, your sense of, of smell, whether that be the ink, right? Or or mm-hmm. even like a, the uh, on an old um, book when you crack it open and that like that dust, that, that smell of of um, binding and glue, um, the uh, the sound, right? Of even just like the sound of um, this is why some people still read the book. Just cracking, yes. just cracking it open. It makes it that that crack sound when you open and there's out, an a leather album. Sound of like of, um, of paper, like yeah. when your hand just grazes across mm-hmm. a piece of paper. There's like this. It's almost an inaudible sound that's that's more attributed to texture than anything. But anyhow, you get it, right. and uh, I think there's it, it changes it changes the neurological pathways in your brain. It changes the way that your memory is aligned, and it also changes your emotional reaction to things uh, when when all those senses are are engaged with with the piece. And man, it's uh, it's real. Yeah. It's absolutely real. It is, and and I think from my standpoint. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I'm in a business. I want to sell my clients lots of stuff and just like any business does. Um, I want them, you know, there's that. I want them to be happy. I want them to love their images. I want them to love the experience of working with me, but I want to be able to provide them with things that not just they look at now, but things that they're going to look at in the future. And they're still going to have that same emotional attachment to those items and not so much to the album itself, but to the the period of time that I captured. That's the memories that I want them to have. And when they're, when clients hire me and they're looking at these things, it truly is an honor for me to be part of that experience. Um, and to be allowed into their private life for just a short period of time is something that I don't take lightly. Dory, I love talking about this. I think like uh, we could talk about the value of, of printed material for like days, honestly. I mean, there's entire, there's entire day long workshops dedicated to even just this concept alone. But I think we, I want to, I want to dive more now into kind of the psychological shift uh, and self-limiting beliefs that we have when it comes to this, because look, we're kind of right now, we're in the rainbow state, right? Our heads are in the cloud. We're talking about providing value to clients. We're talking about heirloom. Uh, we're talking about service. We're talking about doing um, like the right thing, like what our moral obligation is for our clients, right? Um Right. But at the end of the right. day, this means that this this is going to require uh, putting ourselves out there, stepping up to the plate, and and selling this to our clients. Mm-hmm. And for some, that mm-hmm. is a a terrifying thing. Like it's a really scary thing. And I think um, right. I think we just need to address that. And so I want to hear your thoughts on on kind of the fear of selling, sure, um, and how we begin to overcome right. some of those uh, self limiting beliefs. Yeah, it's really interesting, Um, especially in our group IPS Mastermind. I see lots and lots of people who are fearful 
of selling their artwork. They love creating it, but then when they have to turn the corner and actually present it and and sell it, they become very fearful of that process. And I think that's there's that comes from a lot of different places. Um, but sales in and of itself, that word, which has can have such a negative connotation to some people, isn't that process itself is not something to be scared of. Every single transaction that we enter into, whether it's walking up to the Starbucks barista and asking to, you know, get your favorite drink or buying a car is a transaction of some sort that is a sale. You are offering your money to purchase something from someone else and they're making a profit from that. Um, I even go so far as to say that sales is more of a negotiation. So every night when I put my daughter to bed, that is a negotiation. I need to sell her on the fact that it is her time to go to bed. And so we use these negotiation tactics all the time. And every single business that we run into and that we interact with is selling something. It may not be necessarily something you can absolutely see on the the surface or very blatant, but everybody is selling something because that's what makes the world go round. Um, and a lot of this comes into in our, in our world now, culturally, um, in other countries, it's very common to barter for everything. So they're teaching their children from a very young age that there's a give and a take. So you offer one thing, you go back and say, no, I'll take it at this price. There's that that shuffle that happens in there. And we don't do that in American culture. And I don't think too much in um, some of the other Western cultures as well. We see a price tag, we pay it, and we're done. So the idea that it has been a negotiated transaction, we don't see. But behind the scenes, the company has absolutely gone through the process to price their their product accordingly. Um, I know that with some of my um, beloved African clients, when they come over here and have newborn sessions done, I have to negotiate with them because that's what is expected in their culture. And they actually find that process fun. (laughs) I don't find it fun. I find it, I find it, I find it painful and irritating, but what I have to realize is that it's actually sharpening, it's sharpening my, my tool set when it comes to having to be, um, okay with setting my prices and standing up for my prices and justifying my prices. Um, but it's just a totally different idea of, of how we deal with the sales transaction, how it's dealt with in other places. Um, so yeah, again, a lot of people find the negotiation process fun. I do not, I actually have it in my contract now that I don't negate that I don't, um, negotiate my prices because it just got to be too much with some clients. And I think also when you're a solopreneur and you're doing it on your own, there are some people that think that they can come in and take advantage of that. But all of those things um, color the way that we look at sales, any sort of transaction that we've been in. And many of us, many of us are raised with negative ideas about sales. So, you know, we talk about car buying, we talk about buying insurance, you know, those are kind of the stereotypical negative sales things. But I know when I went and purchased purchased my first car, that was a traumatic experience. I felt bullied and it was just horrible. And because they were trying to get me to buy more and more and more. And I just kept having to say no, 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 no. And yeah, I got the car, but I did not enjoy that process at all. But we as business owners need to be comfortable with the fact that we are selling something of value that has um, that it's okay to attach a price tag to. And the price tag can be whatever's 
works best for your business, but it still has value when people need to pay for it. Um, the one thing that I think that gets lost in the translation translation so many times, and I say this often, is that people are not forcing us to hire them. Like we, portraiture is is a luxury product. No one needs beautiful portraiture. We are absolutely at the whim of a lot of different things, but it's not mandated by law that we have to have beautiful portraits. Like it is like we have to have insurance or uh, we want to protect our home or we need a good car to drive, that type of thing. So we need to look at these transactions a little bit differently in the fact that our client has come to us because they want to do business with us and they want what we have to offer. So it's a voluntary, it's a voluntary process. And that right there should really help everybody just kind of relax into the process that the people are there because they want to be most of the time, you know, um, Sometimes I have a part, like a a husband and wife that comes in and dad doesn't really want to be there. Mom really does. And so you have some of those dynamics to work with. But for the most part, they're hiring you because they want you. And um, that's really valuable on our side of the table. But the fact is, if you don't want to sell things, you probably shouldn't be in business. Otherwise, this process of selling your artwork is going to be painful. So if you don't, you don't, need to be, if you're not in love with selling your products, you can hire a salesperson to do it for you. But that's not realistic for most of us. I couldn't afford to hire a salesperson. That's just not where my studio is right now, nor do I want to go that direction. So coming to terms with the word sales and dealing with it and understanding that it's part of what you need to do to remain in business, no matter what your business model is, is something that, um, yeah, you just have I to totally do agree. business owners. And you brought up something that has my brain ticking. Um, just in, in, in kind of a reframing thought that I've had that I think kind of conveys it in a, in a really powerful way. You were talking about the the kind of shift of, of considering sales as negotiation. And you, and you brought up an example of like when you negotiate with your with your child to go down for sleep, right? Each night, all, all these interactions that you have are these forms of sales and selling yourself and your ideas and your beliefs to try to get people to do, you know, what you believe is the right thing. But I think that it's so important um, when you want your daughter to go down to sleep, right? When it's, when it's nine, eight, whatever that time is, and you want your daughter to go to sleep, why do you want them to go to sleep? You want them to go to sleep because you believe it's the right thing to do. You believe it's the best thing for your daughter. And that reshift, that framework shift is so important because I think that the reason that we're terrified to sell, the reason that we're not, that we're not sure this is the right move, we're scared, we feel slimy or, or weird about it is because I think deep down, we're not convinced that printed product is the absolute best thing for our clients. And I think we need to, to come to that conclusion that mm-hmm. what you have to offer your people is the best damn thing that they could that they could walk away with, right? You have to have that belief that like this is right. this is the best thing for you. Because at that point, then it's just it's just like, hey, this like if you fully believe that what you have to offer is the best thing that they could have, it's you're just doing like you're following your own convictions. And I think that this goes back to actually what we were talking about is that that means in order to believe it's the best thing, you have to experience it yourself. And I love, Dory, that you brought up this example. You have canvases in your own home. 
of professional shoots. So I think we mm -hmm. need to actually go out and walk the walk. We mm -hmm. need to go hire a photographer. We need to go pay for this artwork ourselves, get out our own wallet and fork up the money uh, and, and live mm -hmm. what we're trying to get other people to do. Uh, and that's a, that's a big yeah. shift to make. It is a big shift to make. I think, um, especially for us as photographers, it's, it's hard for us to go out and hire a photographer and pay them their full pricing because we know what things cost. Like, you know, we can go to the lab and we can find out what things are costing. And, and so we just have all that internal knowledge, but going through the process, hiring a photographer for your family or for your, just a personal session or for your baby or whatever, and going through the process, seeing how it feels from a client perspective, um, is very, very powerful. And I also think the, you know, what you said earlier about believing in what you're selling, it's, if you truly, truly believe that what you are offering your client is the absolute best thing for them, you're not even really selling them. Your job is just to show them what's available. So it's more of guiding them. And it, all the nuances in this get softened because you're not trying to it's not in the back of your mind of like, oh my gosh, I need to, I need a $3,000 sale today. Otherwise I'm not going to pay my mortgage. You've done all the work ahead of time. And you know, when they come in, they're going to make a good investment and they're going to get stuff that they're going to love, but you're not selling them on it. You're just showing them what's available because you have been able to portray, um, yes. the value in that. Yeah, absolutely. Them. What are some of the, um, uh, apart from, um, hmm, how do I put this? Like, uh, when, as you connect with other photographers and you teach the, on this subject, what do you see as some of the biggest hurdles when someone is making this transition from shoot and burn to uh, ten person sales? What do you see as some of the biggest hurdles to make? Um, and and let's even not go into the, the logistical things because obviously there's sample products and and monetary. Yeah. Uh, oh sure, no, no, we're not. I won't go there. I think the biggest issues that people have in making the transition, first of all, is just their mindset that they're worth it. Um, the mindset that their work is not worth it. Um, we have a lot of people say, well, is, am I ready to do IPS? Here's a sample of my work. And the bottom line is, is that if you have someone ready to hire you, you're ready to do IPS and to run a business and to charge appropriately for your work. So the fear funnels over into other things too. So we have am I good enough? You're worth. And that, that goes into a lot of different areas. And then also just the fear of, um, that once you set these things up, that people won't come, you know, that you'll lose all your clients. And that is a real fear, especially if you're used to making a certain amount of money one month. And you know, that if you make these changes, you may not, you're going to have to remarket and do some hard work when it comes to that. So you may not make that for a while. And if you have a family, depending on your income, that's legitimate. Um, so yeah, the fear and then also just the logistical steps of making this change um, and the hard work that it involves are usually what stops people from actually um, making this what switch. About, uh, I've, I've heard this kind of said a lot is um, it's a time uh, it's a time constraint. Like they're, they're concerned that like, look, this, the, because yeah. as we've already kind of addressed when you're shooting burn, you're shooting all the time, you're nonstop, you're go, go, go. Uh, you're trying to do everything that you can. And, uh, there's so much work to be done. And so this concept of, Oh my, so now I got to add on another, I got to add on a meeting. Now I got to add on ordering products and delivering. How do you address this? Right. Uh, the, well, the belief that there's no time. 
Okay. Well, for example, if you have someone who is oops, uh, doing a shoot and burn model and they're charging, for example, $500 for a session that includes, you know, maybe 30 images. We'll just use that as an example. And I have a session that I can take care of, only deal with one client instead of juggling a bunch of clients, one client, and I can make $3,500 from that session. Yes, I've had some meetings. Yes, I've had some phone calls, a little more extensive email communication with them, but I've put in actually less time on my one client than I had on that other person's seven clients that they've had to do. That doesn't even account for editing. So my one client is, is more cost effective than their seven clients when it comes to actual time. And that is one thing that is hard for people to, to see until they actually investigate it further and realize, oh yeah, this would be cheaper. Yeah. And yeah, because you're not saying, hey, still shoot, commitment. you know, 75 uh, sessions, uh, you know, whatever, every six months. <laughs> you dial it back and and you provide a better experience, a better service. Uh, you essentially maximize maximize your profit per per client. I mean, look, when I first started as a wedding photographer, year one, I shot over 40 some weddings. Um, I'll shoot and burn, right? Um, and now I'm, you know, I'm doing 10 to 15 and making more. Right. Way happier. And your clients are probably happier. And that's really what it boils down to is that you have a better quality of life to be with your family and to be with B and all of that to pursue your interests personally. And your clients are getting such better service because they feel that you've truly invested in their event and their um, yeah. their images that they're going to keep forever. Yep, absolutely. So really Dude, we can keep going on, on this sides. like forever, uh, which you are well aware of because you have the IPS Mastermind Group, which is super active. There's so much going on in that group. You, you're, you're like, you're having these conversations, I bet, in your sleep. Um, <laughs> like literally your phone's like pinging you. You're like, oh my God, I got to respond to this again. Um, so uh, look, uh, I think we're just going to have to wrap at some point. Where can people find more about you, Dory, more about IPS Mastermind, uh, and learn more. Sure. Well, we are um, pretty easy to find on social media. It's pretty much at IPS Mastermind everywhere. On Facebook, we have a really great group of over 51, 52,000 members that talk about this stuff all the time with some really, really successful photographers in there who are working every day um, and know the struggles that we face that are offering help. And that um, you just search IPS Mastermind group and that pops up right on Facebook. Um, IPSmastermind.com is our complimentary education site where you can actually join and get advice from a variety, wide variety of instructors on a wide variety of topics. When, when we started IPS Mastermind, we um, didn't want it to come from one ph photographer's perspective. We wanted to be able to address a lot of different perspectives because everybody runs their business a little bit differently. And so that's how IPS Mastermind is different and how it can help people with their business. So um, that's where you can find us. And always, you know, you can find me on social awesome. media Dory, too. Dory, thank and you ask so much for being here. Is, these conversations get me really jazzed. If you can't tell, I get kind of fired up and, and spunky. So I like, uh, I like riffing off someone who's got the same passion as me. Yeah, Thanks, great. Dory. Well, Ben, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Yay. 
You guys making the shift, the transition from shoot and burn to IPS. I get it. It's scary. I hope that this episode helped to ease this into you, like like to help to, to make this transition a little bit better. You guys, I don't want the conversation to end here because you're going to step out and you're going to start to introduce some of these things and start to make this transition and it and it's going to get rough. I Like I won't sugarcoat it. It's going to be hard. And so please, you guys, hop on over to the Six Figure Photography page. I do weekly live videos and I would love to say hi. I would love to encourage you. I would love for you guys uh, to drop a comment, to ask questions. I treat every episode of SF Live as an opportunity for Q&A to happen. And so if you're in the middle of transitioning to IPS and there's things that are occurring for you that are scary, that are challenging, that are hard, like like show up, ask, drop a question in there. And I would love to help try to uh, serve you in any way that I possibly can. You guys, thank you so much for listening and we will see you in the next episode of SFP.